Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. Hear that? It's the call of the crave. And when the crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 bacon bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hey, by the book listeners, Kristen here. Did you know that you can receive a weekly by the book affirmation mini-sode plus the rules of every book that we've lived by? It's easy. All you have to do is become a member of our Patreon community. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash listen to buy the book. Again, that's patreon.com slash listen to buy the book, or just look at the episode description from today's show. The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content. So, maybe listen on headphones if you're at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Jolenta. Yes, Kristen. It has been one week since we lived by the power of ritual. Mm -hmm. And do you know what that means? Of course I know what that means. It means it's time for another By the Book mini-episode. That's right. It's time for another By the Book epilogue. This week, we're looking at the aftermath of living by the power of ritual, turning everyday activities into soulful practices by Casper Turkile. So, Jolenta, let's start off with feedback from folks who loved the power of ritual and voted for us to live by it. Yes, let's. 
Kelly wrote in to say, I voted for it because I love Casper from his time on Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. I read this book at the end of last year and found it interesting as a spiritual but not religious person. I already have some rituals that I engage in and didn't end up adding more, so it didn't necessarily change my life. But I was really interested to see how Kristen and Jalanta live by it. Well, Kelly, we hope we delivered. Mm -hmm. We hope that what you heard gave you more insights of what was possible with the book or not possible. Emma wrote in to say, as someone who's turned away from religion but misses the rituals of my former faith, this book has been a warm and welcome addition to my life. I guess I didn't realize how much I needed someone to say, yes, you are still allowed to light your candles and yes, you can still pray. I still longed for those rituals after leaving my church, but felt I didn't have the right to enjoy them if I wasn't willing to take the bad with the good, i.e. doctrine, guilt, etc. I appreciate that this book gave me permission to embrace what I want and leave the rest behind. That's so interesting. It helps you sort of like untie some of your history from things you just like doing. Like lighting a candle doesn't mean like necessarily going to church to do it or having to believe certain doctrine. Yeah. And speaking to a higher power or just speaking to yourself and your hopes and your dreams and whatnot doesn't necessarily have to mean the same thing as it did at church when you were praying there. So we're glad that it gave you comfort, Emma. We're big believers in if it makes you feel good and if it's not hurting anyone, go for it. Go for Mm -hmm. it. Unless someone's like, ow, that candle hurts my eyes or is burning me, (laughs) then you shouldn't light it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) Bev wrote in to say, I love the author Casper so much. His book helped me structure my life with more meaning and purpose during the pandemic when I was struggling to get a muscle disease diagnosis that is partially but still not fully diagnosed. So I'm still untreated with no answers. The wait times in Canada to see specialists are extremely long and dealing with uncertainty and feeling in limbo is extremely difficult. So finding ways to bring ritual to my life every day makes it more interesting, meaningful, and less like a very long period of being on hold. Oh, Bev. Oh, yeah. Anything that can get you through those horrible times of like waiting with bated breath, needing answers to like help you live and move forward with your life. Anything that can help make that time feel like more meaningful and less wasted and panic inducing, oh, like the better. But some of you out there did not like the book. Ivy wrote in to say, I'm a pretty religious practicing Lutheran, and I was uncomfortable with the religious language used in this book. It felt very sad to me that the author clearly wanted the comfort of ritual that his upbringing inspired, but that he was very hurt by the formal church. It's really hard and lonely to build your own religious practice. I am so sorry he was hurt by the church. I wonder if he may consider a memoir because this self-help book seems like a forced attempt to turn a frown upside down. So many people have religious slash church trauma. I really want my institution to do better. That's so interesting. The first thing I thought when you were reading this, Kristen, was, whoa, what if it was a memoir that they forced into self-help? Because that does happen a fair (laughs) amount. Where they're like, add a fucking message to it and it'll be easier to sell because everyone wants to better themselves, but not everyone has heard of your podcast and cares about your memoir. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. 
But yeah, it may also be an attempt to turn a frown upside down, which oh, totally, which isn't always a bad thing. Sometimes the frown should be turned upside down, but I guess it depends on have we dealt with what caused the frown in the first place? Mm-hmm. Are we at a place mm-hmm. of peace with that frown? Do we know what's underneath the frown? Yes, exactly. Or are we like fighting gravity to turn this frown around, people? <laughs> yes, but Ivy, I can see why this would make you sad if that's your read of the book. Mm, totally. Just like a justification. Jolenta, you and I have both read books like that before where it's like, here's my life philosophy. Isn't everything great? But you can see if you scratch the surface that the you're author's like, really oh, just you were just so not damaged okay. by like X, Y, and Z. Yes. And now your life is like sort of around like fixing X, Y, and Z. Yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Without much like examination. And some of you wrote in to say you're interested in the power of ritual, but y'all have concern about the author's Harry Potter fandom. Ayula wrote in to say, I just binged the audiobook for The Power of Ritual yesterday. I think I may try some of the suggestions. However, with all the discussion of Harry Potter, I really wish that the author had made some kind of acknowledgement of how transphobic and increasingly anti-Semitic the author has become over the years. Harry Potter fandom is what keeps J.K. Rowling's relevance going, even when no money is spent on official properties. I grew up loving Harry Potter, but for this reason... I no longer call myself a fan or engage with Rowling's media in any way. Millie responded saying, I used to listen to Casper Terkyle's Harry Potter podcast, and they did talk at length about the problematic nature of J.K. Rowling's comments and actions on their show. As for The Power of Ritual, it was just extremely poor timing. The book was published in June 2020, right when J.K. Rowling more officially and publicly outed herself as having such hateful thoughts and stances, but obviously final drafts and printing already happened well before that when it was out of his hands. Kristen wrote in to say, It makes me so sad. The Harry Potter books aren't perfect, but I was looking forward to reading them with my kid as they grew up. That's obviously not happening. But I still participate in the fandom, which has so many interesting ideas in a very passive way. Amanda says, The topic of Harry Potter fandom is really hard for me. My oldest child has profound dyslexia to the point that our long-term goal for him is just that he finishes high school functionally literate. He fell in love with the Harry Potter books just before J.K. Rowling went off the deep end, and I have read them to him many times. It was the first time he ever realized that he could enjoy literature, even if he couldn't read it himself, and it is one of the few universes where he is comfortable. Because if Harry can beat Voldemort, maybe my son can beat dyslexia. At the same time, J.K. Rowling is a terrible human being, and I hate that anything we do supports her in any way. So how do I possibly weigh this? A kid who has found his voice through a series of books written by a person who stands for everything I hate. We try to do the best we can. We donate to trans rights charities to make up for the money that his love of the universe gives her. We buy the merch and books used whenever possible. We talk a ton about the problematic imagery in the books and point out the obvious anti-Semitism and racism while reading and then tie it to real world events. But I really do struggle with this and I'm looking forward to him outgrowing the stage so that we can stop giving any amount of money or attention to J.K. Rowling. Yeah, that's a tough one. 
I remember in reading The Power of Ritual, I kept thinking, I wish there was like just one other book example that we could keep going to for people where Harry Potter doesn't resonate, even without the rolling of it all, just because I was like, I've never read a self-help book that's so centered around like another text, essentially. And then there's the added J.K. Rowling of it all. It's super hard to separate something we love made by someone who like we're starting to not love. Yeah. What do we do? And I know historically on the podcast when we've talked about this kind of the artist versus the art thing, Jolenta, you have tended in the past to draw more of a hard line. Like if the artist is problematic, screw you, I'm never consuming anything of yours again. And I have a little bit more of a blurry line with things, Mm -hmm. partly informed by the fact that in the past at a prior job, I produced content that I was really, really, really proud of but my collaborator was somebody who was right. sexually abusing me in the workplace. Do I want nobody to ever listen to any of those stories I produced or wrote again because they're boycotting him? Well, that's also erasing me. And it gives right. me very complicated feelings about it. Like, I don't want to be erased because people don't want to consume anything that he was involved with and not just involved with. He was the highest ranking person on the ladder. So yeah, it, it's just so tough because it's not right. just one person in this case. Exactly. It's something much larger, the whole fandom. It's sort of like a fandom and then a derivative self-help book that like evolved out of fandom. For me, I always like to take this as a moment to see like what has their message been all along. And like with some people's really obvious. It's like, oh, in all of the stories we used to love that they told, like they were always into people that were too young. Or in this case, looking back at a lot of the Harry Potter texts, like the way gender is presented is very binary. There's like the all girls school that comes and the all boys school that comes and they're tough and gruff and the girls are French and like flowy. And it's like, (laughs) oh, right. She's been sort of infusing this message all along, not to mention, like, don't get me started on, like, the Gringotts trolls who guard the money. They Jewish. But (laughs) (laughs) it's like, oh, she has been sort of imparting this message all along. And now she's just sort of making it clear that those are her beliefs, whether or not she was forcing her beliefs into it or just like that's the world she paints has those beliefs into it. You know, we're not in her head. But yeah, do we boycott it altogether? I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. And I would not want to tell anybody else what they should do. I think everyone kind of has to decide for themselves here. And, you know, ask themselves questions. Is this something that is being made or manufactured by a single person or entity? In that case, it's often easier to boycott that one thing. Or is it part of something larger and bigger, like a film where literally a thousand people work on a film? Do we boycott it because of this one person on the film? Yeah. Also, I like what Amanda has said about just like being aware when you consume it now, like you can't really ignore the fact that we know what we know about the creator or about someone who had a hand in something that we love. Talk about the things that are problematic. Think about your own views and how they may differ and like discuss them, especially if it's like something your kids have consumed and already like, like you can't make them unlike it. And also talk about how maybe you have in the past had those same blind spots and thought this or that was okay. And in time you realized, no, it wasn't. Because sometimes the things that are really problematic weren't considered problematic in a different era, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Which doesn't mean it's okay. Picasso being a predator with barely legal slash underage girls his entire career, 
a lot of people at the time thought, oh, look at that playboy. He is what a bon vivant. Like, yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that doesn't mean it was okay back then either, but it is worth talking about why was it discussed like it was admirable back then and what do we know better now? So I, I think there's a bigger discussion to be had about how our social mores change. There's a lot to discuss. So it doesn't have to just, in my opinion, be like, all right, that's it. I'm cutting this out of my life. I think it's worth having a conversation about it also and doing a lot of the things that Amanda's doing, you know? Amanda, we really admire like these donations you're making, these conversations you're having and so on. It's tough. All right. Let's take a quick break, shall we? And when we come back, we're going to hear feedback you had about how we lived by the book. That's always fun. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. We are back with listener comments about the power of ritual, turning everyday activities into soulful practices by Casper Turkile. And now, Jolenta, let's hear some specific feedback for you and for me and how we live by the book, starting with Aaron. Aaron says, sometimes I think Kristen and Jolenta are so supportive and compassionate, but sometimes I shake my head and think, do they even know their audience at all? Excuse me, Jolenta, where are the Frank in puffy coat pictures? Where are they? Aaron, where was my head? I am so <laughs> sorry. If you're in the Facebook community, I commented back to Aaron with a video of Frank in the puffy coat. Also, we put a video on Instagram <laughs> at by the book pod. Frank is in the coat in the snow, not frolicking, looking concerned. Aaron, I should know better. <laughs> I should know our audience. It's up now, and he looks cute as a button. And I love the coat partly, not just because he's wearing clothes, which is always amazing for an mm -hmm. animal to wear clothes, but also because if he wasn't wearing clothes, I don't think I'd see him because it's so snowy. Right? It helps point him out. He's got like his nice little forest green puffy coat, but then he's all white and the snow's all white. You look for the coat tromping yes, around. Yes, yes. Exactly. Next letter is from Katie, who says, I listened to the episode, and what hit me hardest was Jolenta feeling like naps were failures. I take naps pretty regularly and totally get that feeling. I have a sleep study coming up and told the doctor that I used to be able to pull all-nighters, and now I struggle with all-dayers. I hope the rituals around sleep give Jolenta comfort to re-energize her body and kick that feeling of failure to the curb. Katie... That feeling is mostly to the curb, to be honest. Like, Yay! 
I have to say, the sort of rules and like rituals that did get put in place around naps have stuck. And it's sort of helped me think of it as much more like part of taking care of myself is like doing this little two hour, one hour nap window so I can keep the rest of my day going. And it's much more like a task off the to do list and much less of a like, fuck, I have to nap, like type (laughs) meltdown. So thanks, Katie. And Katie, I hope your sleep study goes well. I just want to know what that's like. So let us know what happens if you're comfortable with that. Yeah. Are you going to be sleeping in a pod while they videotape you? Are you going to have a bunch of those sensor things attached to your brain? Tell us about it. Do you go in at night or do you like have to stay up all night and go in at the day tired? I want to (laughs) know. And on the topic of naps, Jenny had this to say. On the recent episode when Jolenta felt that taking naps were a failure, I feel like hustle culture, which society has been obsessed with, Mm. has demonized adults taking naps. Our culture essentially wants us to work more, meaning we're failing if we need to take a break and a nap during the day. Also, there are so many cultures around the world where it is not only appropriate to take naps, but it is expected. Naps are great, and there should never be shame involved for those who want to nap. Everyone's bodies have different needs, and we should accept that. P.S. I know there are more issues with hustle culture that intersect with other systemic issues, which go into how our society treats people who want to get the sleep and rest they need. Yeah, that's very true. Naps are intrinsically failures because you're not working. You're not optimizing. But it's like, we need sleep to optimize. I like the idea of more cultures where naps are expected. That is happening in my house now. Brad will check in and be like, you taking a nap today? I love all of that. And I, and I love what you're saying, Jenny, about systemic issues being folded in there. Like, who's allowed to take naps? Who's not? If it's Teddy Roosevelt taking a nap in the Oval Office every afternoon, it's one thing. If it is somebody who is working class, look at that lazy person. No wonder mm. they can't get ahead in life. No wonder they make so little money. They're just not working hard enough. So we have a very different lens we use depending on who we're talking about and when they take naps and whether or not they're allowed to ever rest. Ugh, hustle culture. You can hustle away from me. (laughs) Do the hustle. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But let's talk about you, Kristen and Dean. Bess wrote in to say, I found Kristen's review and Dean's take to be really interesting. As someone who was brought up in a Christian church and has since lost God, I still find myself thinking of ritual and spiritual things with the terminology I was taught and used for most of my life. It sounds like this book would be welcoming to someone like me who is comfortable with the language but not expanding that into a particular faith. But also, I can see how alienating this would be to someone who is wholly uncomfortable with any of the language and its larger historic implications. And I say good on Dean for not participating. Emily says, I am religious, Unitarian Universalist, but like Dean, I don't like the word spiritual. It means anything you want it to mean, which means it doesn't mean anything at all to me. Emily, I love that. That's why I like spiritual. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, oh, cool. You believe just whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) (laughs) No, but what I love about Emily's comment is it goes so much against what everybody else in the By the Book community was saying. 
And it goes so much against what the self-help industry says all the time. Totally, totally. The self-help industry loves using the word spiritual. It's a constant. The universe, spiritual. Keep it vague. Then people can buy into it and believe whatever (laughs) they want. (laughs) Catherine wrote in to say, I just had my mind blown because I'm pretty sure the book Kristen was reading in this episode is the same one I am currently reading for my book club, which is wild because this was first published over 40 years ago. It's not like some hot new release. It's Kindred by Octavia Butler. Is that true, Kristen? No, but that's what Dean thought I was reading. He misremembered what the plot of Kindred was versus the book that I was reading because Dean's read everything by Octavia Butler. Mm. I was reading Parable of the Sower, which, Jolenta, you liking cults, you might love this book because the protagonist essentially is creating her own cult during the, like, apocalypse or whatever. Sounds good. And she's not always likable, this protagonist. And she has a lot of passages she writes that are kind of biblical. She's kind of writing her own religious text Mm -hmm. while she is putting together a scruffy gang of survivors. So, yeah, I, I was reading Parable of the Sower. I was not reading Kindred. But I think Dean got the plots mixed up in his head, and he loves Kindred. So hats off to everybody in the Facebook community who seemed to recognize what was the book I was reading versus the book Dean was describing. And hats off to everyone who likes Octavia Butler. Check her out. Mm -hmm. She is so Mm -hmm. good. Totally. Also, just so fun when, like, something you're reading shows up somewhere, sort of. Like, it's just the coolest. Let's move on to some questions and thoughts for both of us, shall we? Yes. Betsy says... Hi, Kristen and Jolenta. I just finished The Power of Ritual episode. I read The Power of Ritual when it first came out. And while I enjoyed the book, I didn't really incorporate any of his advice into my life. At the time, I felt as if the book was mainly focused on community gathering Mm -hmm. rituals. And as it came out towards the beginning of COVID, it didn't feel safe or doable to me. Given that we are in slightly safer times now, and given your highlighting of the individual rituals, which I hadn't focused on during my first reading or even noticed, I am considering revisiting this book. My question for you is, have you continued any of these rituals in the months since you finished living by this book? The nap stuff, yes. As (laughs) previously mentioned, still going strong. Kristen, how about you? I'm still reading plaques. I'm doing like, you know, the pilgrimage where I'm walking from here to there and then I'm reading the historic plaque, oftentimes with great frustration because women are so often left off the plaques. But, Mm. you know, it's educational. It's fun. I found that Quaker burial ground in Prospect Park and I passed by there a million times, but it was my first time stopping and reading the plaque recently. So, yeah, I'm still doing all that stuff. It's great. Good, good. I love a pilgrimage. Yeah. You'll find a good plaque. I just saw a plaque on TikTok that was like, this is where like the first Salem witch accusation Ooh, <laughs> took really? place. And I was like, damn, what a plaque. <laughs> that is a plaque. It was That's more of like plaque. a wooden sign like in front of the house, I think. But it was like, oh, shit, what a plaque. <laughs> Trish wrote in to say, does the book at all touch on the danger of rituals? By which I mean, do they talk about when rituals get in the way? I have recently realized with the help of my therapist that I have a tendency towards obsessive compulsive behaviors and intrusive thoughts, especially in times of high stress. I have certain rituals that I perform to self-soothe, but these aren't the healthiest rituals. I only recently realized that most other people do not do this. To be honest, I was a little anxious 
that this episode would trigger my anxiety simply because the word ritual is in the book title. It did not trigger me, but I wonder if it may have triggered others, and I'm interested in whether or not the author touched on or acknowledged not just the power of ritual, but the potential danger as well. Ooh, Trish. Trish. First of all, I totally know what you're talking about. I very much identify with that type of thinking. And uh, the book does not touch on it as far as I remember. Yeah, I don't remember that either. And and I do know people, friends of mine, the children of friends of mine who've really struggled with this. One friend I have, her child just walking to school would take over an hour because there were certain rituals involved of not touching cracks if your left foot is on the sidewalk square. And things that I think on the surface may have just looked like superstition, but were self-soothing and would stretch out Mm. so long to walk four blocks to school. And it became very agonizing. And it turned out there was much more going on than a child playing or a child avoiding school. It turned out that there were obsessive compulsive Mm -hmm. disorders and other things that a therapist and some medication and, you know, other interventions helped quite a bit with. But You know, I also have adult friends who do this too, who have certain counting rituals and who have certain practices that they do that they'll admit don't connect them necessarily with a higher power or a sense of meaning in the way the book is saying, but that maybe are just more compulsive. Right. More of a a weird sense of like safety or keeping things safe that verges on compulsive. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but I I agree, Jolenta. I don't think the book talks about this. I don't remember the book talking about that. I like the way Trish puts it, where it's like rituals are powerful and they like can become too powerful. They can sort of start overriding like other shit that we do. That's so interesting. I wish the book would have gone into that. Yeah, such a good point. Such a good point. Well, we're going to take one more quick break. But when we come back, we're going to hear from some of you out there about the rituals that you have folded into your own lives. And of course, we're going to announce next week's book. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. All right, we are back. And let's talk rituals. Let's hear some of the rituals that you all out there have adopted. Yes. Stephen says, sometimes I ask the food I'm cooking to make us full and healthier. And when I see an ambulance, I imagine a butterfly following the ambulance, bringing good intentions and hope with it. I can't remember why I picture a butterfly. I just know I'm a very visual imagineer. I hope it's because of the butterfly effect somehow. Ooh, oh, that's a good one. I was thinking Dolly because that's Dolly Parton's logo is the butterfly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Desiree says, I've always loved my morning coffee routine. After reading The Power of Ritual, I decided to treat that time as sacred. I use my favorite coffee, even though it's a little pricey, and I grind the beans every morning. I bought a good quality sugar, and I use my favorite coffee mugs. This allows me to take some time for myself before jumping into work, and by treating it as sacred, I let myself know that this time is non-negotiable, so I am more likely to keep the routine. Oh, I love that you're treating yourself to something special as opposed to doing what I am, which is chugging coffee while I am running late to get to this taping or to answer this email, but you're actually just taking the moment to do it. Yeah. And like making it sacred means like, eh, you might be getting up that 15 minutes earlier, but it's like to take care of yourself. Yes. Lauren says, it's not my ritual, but I had an elderly neighbor growing up close to O'Hare Airport, and she would wave and wish every plane that flew overhead happy landings. It reminded me of Kristen taking that moment to hope for the best for whoever needs the sirens in this episode. That's so cute. I imagine if you're living near O'Hare, though, that's Chicago's international yes, airport. Yes, I say that is a busy airporto. That's a lot of waving. <laughs> <laughs> a yeah. lot of happy landings, like every 15 seconds. But I love that she was doing that. I might want to do that next. I mean, maybe it's not all the time. Like, maybe just when she's outside, just when she notices. Like, <laughs> you're not going to go out of your way to wish everyone a happy landing. <laughs> all 1,000 flights a day at O'Hare. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to everyone who wrote in this week. We had so many cool stories and thoughts and discussions happening over on our private Facebook community. And if you want to join, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash BTB pod. And now, Jolenta, it is that time. Mm -hmm. It is the time when we announce next week's book. Yes, it is. Our next book is... Ikigai, the Japanese secret to a long and happy life by Francis Morales and Hector Garcia. Do we have to whisper the secret, Jolenta? Can we share the secret with our listeners or do we have to keep it to ourselves? And what if I want to live a short, happy life? Listen next week to see if these questions are answered. <laughs> And that is it for this mini episode of By the Book. Thanks to everyone who wrote in and huge thanks to our amazing production team at Stitcher. We love them so, so much. Chantel Holder, Corinne Wallace, and Marcus Ham. Thanks also to Nate Wyda. He composed our theme song. And thank you to the Rizzos. They perform our theme song. Please stay in touch. Let us know if you've lived by the power of ritual. Also, send us any questions or suggestions for future books for us to live by. Our email address is kristenandjolenta at gmail.com. You can also tweet us at ByTheBookPod and we're on Instagram at ByTheBookPod. Go there for cute pictures of Frank in clothes. Mm -hmm. Oh, and while you're listening, just look down at your phone real quick and hit little five stars in whichever podcast <laughs> app you're listening to us in. You know, rate us and review us. It helps people find the show, helps people join this fun convo. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I am Jolenta Greenberg. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Bye-bye.
Stitcher. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.